Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my co-host for over the years, is here today. And, and, you know, between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders to perform in the top 10%. As you know, both Kathy and I are executive coaches, we're authors, we're speakers. We're thought leaders on emotional intelligence, strategy, peak performance. And we're always focusing on what top performers do in the moment to be a top performer. What do they do? How do we unpack? How do we zero in on emotional brilliance. That's the title of our book that we have uh, co-authored. It's on Amazon. You can also now get it on Audible uh, on emotional brilliance and apply some of the tools there uh, that are in the book. And also, if you're uh, interested, we have plenty of things on our website, emotionalbrilliance.com. And you can go there, and if you go to the slash academy, you can see all the um, lessons and uh, things that you can do, tutorials. There is a free ebook, 11 Reasons Why You Need Emotional Intelligence, and you get cutting edge tools, and you can get the seven days of unlimited access uh, to the site. So, Kathy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Relly. I am very happy to be here talking about mastering our emotions with emotional brilliance. And we are getting so much traction uh, on our website. I just want to brag a little bit. I hope um, I hope you don't mind. I know you're not the braggadocious type. But, you know, since we've gone live right after COVID and fully fledged uh, this, uh, this website to the public with so many free resources like our uh, e-books, uh, like the one you just described, 11 Reasons Why You Need Emotional Intelligence, we are getting uh, almost a 1,000 unique visitors a week. And I just have to say thank you, thank you, thank you to the public. Thank you to our audience. Thank you to those who carry our message to others who need it, because that's what we're all about, people. We are all about helping manage stress and giving people a stressless, fearless life. And today, hopefully on today's show, we're going to talk more about these intense emotions, um, this sense of overwhelm that's continuing to cause all the stress. Right now, it's gas prices. It's, you know, impending anxiety as a result of what's going on politically with uh, you know, war with so many things that we can't control. And we don't like it. Humans don't like to be out of control. And so we feel in overwhelm. I love today's show, Relly, because we're going to talk about the dangers of misnaming our emotions. And as you know, emotions need to be expressed. And if we don't label them properly, we're not going to yep. express them well. So it's so true, and I think uh, I'm always glad when you and I get a chance to do this, we can delve a little bit deeper 
typically we have you know guests that take us in to some of their expertise. But this is really a great opportunity when we kind of can go to uh, share some of the tools and things that we have. So talking about stress uh, in one study, and you know both Kathy and I are evidence based, and so we want to give you data and also best practices. In the Stress in America study, uh, 47% of people are having anxiety, 44% sad, 39% angry, and 75% feel we could use more emotional support. And when you think about that, and we have many uh, executives and leaders and coaches listening to this, that's the leader. People want more support from the leader. And sometimes they're out of their skill level when people have of an abundance of emotions. They're like, oh, oh, I'm not sure what to do here. Um, And so we want to be able to give them some formulas, some best practices. Uh, One of our last shows, we talked about the Will Smith slap, and we went through one of our tools, the emotional audit. We also talked about uh, what we're going to talk about today is the name process, and that's an acronym for notice and name your emotions. The first step, accept them, the second step. Today we're going to zero in more deeply on the third step, manage them. You can have thoughts. What do you do about those? You can have actions. What can you do? And then the fourth step is do you choose to express it and how do you express it? Um, One of the... And I was just going to say, yeah, I was going to say, Raleigh, this is the secret sauce, right? I mean, we can notice and name our emotion, even if we misname it, right? Um, we got to express it. Our emotions from a neurochemical point of view want to get out and get over whatever it is that is making us feel vulnerable. And so this managing our thoughts and our actions, which for most people is the hardest thing to do, is really okay. going to help us regulate how we express yep. it. And so it, this is a really key show today for anybody who is dealing with the causes of stress and overwhelm. And I think, uh, Kathy, I'm glad we were able to capture really one of the newest APA stresses in America. So they put out these surveys. This is March uh, 2022, and it, yep. it's bringing in, and it really shows, you know, this is current where we are today in America. So um, for many folks, the most, 87%, it's the rises in everyday items due to inflation. So gas, energy, grocery, 87% of us are stressed about that. 81% are stressed in, in the supply plan issues, you know, which is some of the things why, why there's inflation and maybe not getting what you want. But just as, as much is the global uncertainty, 81%. 80%, and you think about the worry and the overwhelm that people have, is about potential retaliation from Russia. Could it be cyber attacks? Could it be nuclear attacks? 80% of the people surveyed, and there was about 3,000 people surveyed in this. And then another 80% is the Russian invasion, what we're seeing on TV, and the atrocities you know, with Ukraine. You can't help yeah. but have that playing in the background of our minds and in our hearts. Oh, definitely. Yeah, the the president of the uh, American uh, Psychological Association was actually uh, on a 
a recent newscast, uh, and um, I'm not sure how many of you watch uh, a show called Newsy, but it's it's a very good uh, newscast, at least in my estimation. It's very, uh, to me, unbiased and clean. Uh, and he was saying that it's unprecedented in the history of the measurement of our psychology and the temperament of our psychology in America, that it is at an all-time high. And, you know, so many people, and really I'm sure um, you get this with, with your um, client base. I'm certainly getting it with mine. In fact, I was doing a coaching session before we jumped on here with an executive uh, who's very successful in their own right. The microaggressions, and we'll talk about that during the show, mastering your emotions, part of it is understanding when you're using or, or when you're seeing or feeling a microaggression. Um, they're very high. And so those things are going to trigger anxiety. Um, an example for the people who are listening, and then we'll get into some good stuff here, Relic. When we go to the store, whatever grocery store that we go to, and the shelves, are um, not as full as they used to, or the products that we're used to just grabbing and going, right? The grab-and-go counters are empty. There is a feeling that we get, a very vulnerable feeling we get. Many of us avoid going to the store anymore because of that feeling. And we have big companies out there now that are managing these distribution pipelines for us, and it's becoming easier to get things online. And this is in a very post-COVID environment. So I just want you to hang on for a second, audience, and think about this. How do you feel about the supply chain issue that Relly just described at 81% creating stress? When you go to the store and a product you're used to getting isn't there, and you're forced to find it online, how does that make you feel? And the reason why I bring up the word microaggression is because many of us who are you know, kind of old school and we like to go to the store to buy stuff, not necessarily go online to buy stuff, we now start feeling like, there's microaggression that we have against these big suppliers of goods that will only give you stuff online. So there's all kinds of behaviors creeping in to our way of, build, of being that are causing us stress and overwhelm that we need to get control over, that we need to understand, right. that we need to observe so that we don't get frustrated and so that we can continue to understand um, the embodiment of these emotions and deal with them before they take control of us. Yeah, Kath, that, that, that's so true. And I think, you know, when you think about even the study of psychology, you know, it's really about kind of prediction and control. We all want prediction and control. And life, and life now is totally unpredictable and we're out of control. And so I think the microaggressions happen when we're feeling out of control and we can snap at somebody, uh, you know, uh, either outrightly or more subtle. And when we, you know, our book, Emotional Brilliance, is really about how are you aware of this, but how do you, 
have just the right response at the right time. And we're talking about some of the anger people have. I think what defines uh, emotional brilliance is what Aristotle has said. And Aristotle said, anybody can be angry. That's easy. But to be angry with the right person, to the right degree, at the right time, and for the right purpose, and in the right way, that is not within everybody's power, and it's not easy. And so we snap at people, and then we, last time we talked about the Will Smith kind of snapping, uh, you know, and obviously had negative consequences. So when someone does it at the right time in the right way, um, that's emotional brilliance. And so how do we build up your tools and how do we build up your skills so that when you are frustrated and you are feeling out of control, you can have manage it and you can manage thoughts, and you can manage actions. Um, and so, Kat, before we kind of get into the, you know, a couple of strategies, we have about three or four strategies under managing thoughts and managing actions. You know, we have in our book, and maybe we each can share a little bit of that, just kind of the law of feelings. Given what we're saying with stress, you know, our feelings are overwhelmed. Leaders have to deal with all these feelings that everybody else has. And so we're going to just highlight a little bit of, of these so that the leader can can say, okay, so I have a little bit of a sense of what this means. One of them is feelings are contagious. So if your team or if you are irritable and you're stressed and you don't manage it, you don't manage thoughts, you don't manage actions, they're going to pick it up. They're going to feel all that. I'll share one more, cat, and then maybe you want to share some. Um, and then feelings range from pleasant to unpleasant. And now... And then also from intense to less intense. So if you think of that matrix, we are now often in the unpleasant and intense areas. That's where anger is. That's where microaggression is. That's where resentment is. And so we're, we're camping out in what's more unpleasant and more intense. Oh, definitely. And when, when you were talking um, about the, the quote, right, from... Um, the great minds of, of science, right? Aristotle, one of them. Uh, when you think about emotional brilliance, right? We use a couple of analogies just to remind those who are, um, are, are listening for the first time. Emotional intelligence and emotional brilliance differ in that if emotional intelligence is the territory on the map, Emotional brilliance is being able to zoom right in on your home and where you live because you know the region, you know the territory, and you know how to get there if one of the roads right to your home has been blocked by a detour and an accident, right? If, if emotional intelligence uh, is your closet, then the emotional brilliance that we talk about that we love so much is is the capacity for you to go to your favorite clothing, that go-to piece that you know is appropriate for any specific situation. So EB is the target. It's the absolute bullseye in that EI target, if you will, that three-ring target that bullseye is EB. 
And EB is that laser focus that you need to be successful. So, you know, getting into this, these laws of feelings, when we're in our EB mindset, uh, we have to really get into a granular idea here about, for example, is it spontaneous or is it being provoked, right? And, and when I say those words, what I mean is if you're just being spontaneous, feelings of spontaneity can be positive, okay? But feelings that are out of control that become provoked are very rarely positive. So when we talk about emotional brilliance versus emotional intelligence, we're going to talk about these granular ideas and how feelings can be managed. That's the magic word for today, managed through thoughts and actions. We'll be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to Leadership Development News. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at leadershipforuminc.com. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. 
That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Uh, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and myself are talking about how do you master your emotions? You know, we know we're full of them now, and often we don't know kind of what to do about them. <laughs> well, you said we're full of them now. I'm sorry. It just made me laugh. We are definitely yeah, good, full it's of them. It's a good expression. And so why this is so important, if you're not aware of what you're full of, if you're not aware of what your feelings, um, you will end up projecting them on others. You know, it's a, co- it's a common thing of this projection. We also know... Negative feelings are stronger than positives. Some of the research is saying two to three times as much. And if you're full of all these and you don't know what to do with them, they're not going to go away. They're not biodegradable. And so what do you do with them? And we're going to talk about in our model managing thoughts and managing actions. And from some of the researchers around emotional regulation, this whole field of emotional regulation, there's this uh, Dr. James Gross who we've talked about in our book, well, what can we do? There are some things that we can do consciously to change the type of emotion, the intensity, the quality, and the duration. And so what you can do, what can you change? You can change the situation. You can change your attention. You can change how you are praising the situation and the response. So often... uh, Kathy and I, with our uh, people that we coach, we're trying to get them in the gap between stimulus-response. So instead of stimulus-same response, stimulus-same response, we want to get them to say, well, what can we change here? Can you change the situation? What about your attention? What about how you are appraising or assessing the situation? What about your response? Emotional brilliance is the stimuli comes in, you are in the gap, and now you look at your resources, and so when you have a response, it's your best response. It's your best communication. It's your best judgment. And so that's where this is so, so important. And the last thing I'll, oh, I'll say about this is this first tool to kind of think about, can you do anything about this situation? Stephen Covey popularized the circle of influence. So uh, Kathy talked about, the target where emotional brilliance is in the middle? Well, same kind of target. You have a circle of concern, the outside circle. We have so much concerns, and this is where Ukraine and everything else that's going on, we all have concerns. Then can you do anything about it? Can you bring it into your circle of influence? Maybe there's things, there's donations, there's things that you're doing. Um, And then once you say, yes, there is something I can do about it, where do you put your attention? That's the circle of focus. And so for yourself and for if you're a leader, you do want to hear the concerns. That's where empathy is, and you want to hear about it. But then you want to gently guide the people who are unoverwhelmed, full of emotions, into the circle of influence. Well, let's talk about what we can do. And going back to what I, I mentioned with uh, a regulation, can you change the situation? Can you change uh, your attention? Can you change how you're appraising it? Can you change your response? Those are the things that would be in the circle of focus. And so we'll talk a little bit more about uh, kind of that first one around the focus. But go ahead, uh, yeah, Kat, if you want to chime in. I was just going to say, 
um, is it can we uh, in fact um, post uh, the circle of influence uh, at our website uh, this week so people can go and take a look at it and one of the beautiful things that I think our friend um, at Six Seconds uh, has said is um, Josh Friedman. He said, you know, life has gotten us here, but it's emotional intelligence that will get us through it. In our estimation, really, our, you know, our uh, collective emotional brains, those of you who are out there, your emotional brains will help you select the strategies and the tools that will be most appropriate for you in the situation. And using the circle of influence as a framework is a really handy tool for you to start looking at your situation, what you're paying attention to, and how or even if you want to respond to it. So you heard my dogs in the background, right? There's not much I can do about two dogs when a stranger comes to the door. And, you know, lucky for me, we have these wonderful doorbells now that have gadgets on them. So you can see who's there and make a determination as to whether you want to leave what you're doing and go answer it. I have the consciousness, right, to look at what's in my circle of influence right now. What am I going to pay attention to? And what do I want to have my response be right now when somebody rings my doorbell? I can't control the world, certainly can't control when a delivery is made, but you can see what happens to, and, and I don't want to say totally unconscious being, but a sentient being like a dog that doesn't necessarily have a model, right, that has a self-regulating component to it unless they're being trained to do so. And the dog did exactly what it was supposed to do, which is to protect me, alert me, and giving me what they believe is the right response when they feel that there's something I need to pay attention to. But we can't respond to everything with a, uh, a discomfort uh, or a distress. And most of us don't know the difference these days between feelings that are actually creating, as you said, really, types of intensity, quality, and duration of feeling. And so getting everybody on the same page today to understand those unconscious stressors that are going to continue to replay in our brains that are going to extend our suffering is to me, the magic of today's show. And then creating the opportunity for each of us to have better choices and a better outcome for each of our emotions in our interactions, whether they're uncomfortable or distressing, is gonna help us be a better us, a better you, a better they. And, and I'm really excited about talking about this. So let's just jump right in. Well, so good. So we're so we're highlighting uh, some of these tools, the circle of influence, and, and so on our site. Um, we're going to have up, if we don't have it up yet, it will be up, that it, kind of a page where you can basically download some of the tools, you know, from Leadership Development News when you go to emotionalbrilliance.com. So we're talking about focus, and we talked about circle of influence. So one of the strategies, the thought strategies, is what do you focus on first? 
And Robert Cialdini, who basically uh, wrote the, the best book on influence, as leaders, we all want to have influence, he had the next bestseller called Persuasion. And he has this line um, that is so uh, powerful. And if you think of this for you or the people in your world, what is more accessible in the mind becomes more probable in action. And so, like, cat, uh, like you're saying, often what's most accessible in our mind is an undisciplined, random, ruminating, uh, out-of-control thought. And so that's what's going to be most accessible. And so what we're really trying to say is let's get uh, control of our awareness. One of the new terms is meta-awareness. So how do you be aware of what you're aware of? And what's more accessible in the mind becomes more probable in action. And so if you apply this, let's say you're going to a meeting. You have a, a Teams meeting or a Zoom meeting. What do I want to accomplish in this meeting today? That should be something that's accessible in your mind. Your mind is kind of like this Google search. What do I want to accomplish in this, in this meeting today? And your mind says, I don't know, let's go, let's think about this. And so you actually are proactive. And you do the Google search and you, in your mind and you say, you know, I want to make sure I get this point across. I want to make sure I'm acknowledging some of the strengths. I want to make sure I'm using empathy. Those are all three different attentions to focus on, what's going to help you the most. Um, and so just being able to ask the right questions, going back to our Aristotle quote, what's the right questions? Because often we ask the wrong questions. And if we're not aware, how am I ever going to get through this day with that attitude? And then when your mind hears that, like, I don't know, I'm not overwhelmed. One of the things that uh, both uh, Kat and I are looking at uh, is the Brene Brown um, book, you know, that she has out today in her, her podcast, you know, all about uh, emotions yeah. and uh, the heart. And I like when she's saying uh, when you're on overwhelm, and if you say to your brain, you know, I don't know, if I, you know, I can't handle this, your brain's like, okay, it shuts down. So if that's your focus, and that's what you're on focusing on. You aren't going to be able to focus on anything. You shut down. And she talks a lot about the atlas of the heart, that uh, if that's the case, if you're in overwhelm, you need to just stop. Nothing is happening here temporarily, you know, and so you need to stop. I'll pause there as we're talking about focus and, and attention. Yeah. I, and, Raleigh, let me just jump in here. I mean, I think... I think what Benet Brown does really well and what I applaud her for is she takes a lot of research uh, from other people, which I adore because you and I do the same thing in our work, and she, she knits it together in a story that shares with the reader what's going on inside of the brain. And the, if you will, the emotions and the feelings that are stimulated through these different research, um, 
uh, papers and, and uh, different research projects. And I love that. So the first thing I just want to share with our audience is something to remember about persuasion. And as Relly said, persuasion is almost like it's a behavior that we use and it doesn't necessarily maximize our performance. It maximizes our strategy to win. And human beings, by our very nature, are competitive out of survival. Our brains are the same brain that we have had for many, many hundreds of thousands of years. And even though we've used tools and equipment like cell phones and computers and applications to create the impression that we have evolved culturally or socially, our ability to recognize emotions and feelings and give them names and language is at the root of our humanity. And that's really what we're bringing to folks. Right. <coughs> Pardon me bringing to focus. I, I think one of the key things that, you know, in the Atlas of the Heart, and it's on an HBO Max uh, five uh, sequences, you, you're going to learn a lot. And it's kind of taking what Kathy and I have done in emotional brilliance and kind of broaden the scope of, of feelings. I think what we've done a little different is like, okay, what do you do about it? Uh, she's done a great job that, which is our step one, name and notice, and how we language what's going on for us that becomes our experience. So if we misname and we misnotice and we give it a wrong label, and that's going back to overwhelm, when maybe you're just tired or, you know, when you're saying you're stressed, maybe you're feeling unheard. And so how do you get the right uh, label? And then going back to what we're saying in this tool, what do I need to do differently? And so what are you going to focus on? So the first, uh, so, right, Rally, and so what I was, I don't know what happened there, but something, I swallowed something. But when, when, I, when we talk about bringing that focus, it means that we also have the capacity to have language that matches that focus. And that's where humanity has to really stretch. Because some languages have so many different words that match the extent of the language. We know that uh, in Greek, for example, there are different words for love, right? There's compassionate love, there's romantic love, there's love of a parent for a child. Uh, same thing, I, I believe, in the Germanic language and in the Portuguese language. In the English language, we have a much more limited repertoire of emotional lingo. And so this being able to clearly focus on an emotion may not necessarily be the key. Managing that emotion by understanding it, languaging for describing it so that we can express it is where we're going to really perform as human beings and change our focus by being able to express what we're feeling more accurately. And that, to me, is the magic of managing in name. The notice and naming, right, 
and then managing that are, are to me, the nuggets of emotional brilliance that we're going to give away today in our show. And that, that is a gift that we all deserve for each other. Well, thanks, Kat. Uh, um, I think for our audience, hopefully they're going to, you know, continue to uh, go to our site and get some more information. I think we're going to take our next break, and then we're going to come back with some more tools around managing. We've talked about circle of influence. We've talked about your attention. Next, we're going to talk about a creativity break that you can do. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Business Channel. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, where I'm getting all choked up about today's subject, which is managing our thoughts and actions in our model name. Notice and name, accept, manage, and express. So, Riley, right before we went to break, uh, we were talking about a couple of exercises. Uh, Why don't you jump right in here? Um, You're talking about, I believe, a, a creativity break. Yeah. And before you, you talk about that exact example, I just want to say that, you know, having worked throughout our careers with amazing people, one of the people I've worked with that's taught me a lot about creativity uh, has been Andrew Peck. We were consultants together for many years, and he now has Consulting Unplugged, which is a great podcast. But one of the things that we talk a lot about in terms of creativity is how to stimulate it. And believe it or not, that that nothingness that we talk about is one aspect of, of dealing with creativity. And I think you're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, 
But the other thing is you have to remember that the brain only has a neural pathway that can experience one chemical at a time. And so if your neural pathway is full of a chemical like cortisol that is blocking it and it's creating that stress and that de-stress and that overwhelm, the way to just instantly knock that creativity back into action is to do something that stimulates our brain in a positive way. And so this ability to be creative, such as drawing or listening to music or smelling something like a, um, a potion, whether it's a food or the great outdoors, just opening your window. There are so many ways that we can deal with this ability of the brain to cleanse its neural pathway through a creativity break is really important. So I know you have an exercise as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think just from learning theory is that you have to take a break, you know, probably five minutes in every hour. Your brain, like you're saying, uh, Kathy, is on overwhelm. It's stressed, like we've been talking about. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, often it's to stop and do nothing. Can you stop and do nothing? Not, you know, all day long. We're talking about three minutes, five minutes. And in uh, one of the people we interviewed, that, and we uh, replayed that a few weeks ago, Mark Waldman uh, and Chris Manning have a book called Neuro Wisdom. And they really are bringing a lot of the neuroscience, cutting-edge neuroscience, and this idea of a creativity break. And so one of it is to just stop and let your mind wander. This is the default mode network. Um, and as Martin Seligman also called it, is the imagination network. So there's different networks, and there's this network theory is getting very popular in brain science now. Most of our day, we're in the executive functioning network, and that can be draining. And you've got important stuff to do. If you don't feed it by taking a break and going to the default mode network, so for three minutes, just letting your mind wander. Some of the things that Kathy was just saying, sometimes just looking outside, um, you know, looking at the trees, keeping your eyes away from the computer, stand up, go outside, take some deep breaths, savor what's out there, the smells and that. Those are all that lets your uh, executive functioning network take a break. It goes offline. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. It can't be online all the time. Well, most of us unconsciously and how we've been trained, it is online all the time. We're saying back around focus and back around your attention. You need to go offline for short breaks, three minutes, five minutes. All of us can do and that. Just, we talk, well, we talk with executives about, this, about, about breaks, and, and they always say that they don't have enough time. I think when we talk about <laughs> right. how much time, that it's three minutes. They have three minutes. Right. And the thing that, that I'm, I'm going through in my own head right now as you're talking is for people who don't have something to do constantly, the idea of a break can also trigger anxiety, right? Oh, I have three minutes. Uh, what should I do with that three minutes? Should I eat? 
Should I call yeah. my babysitter? Should I make sure my dog got walked? You see, it, it's so hard right. for people to hear so, what we're saying. And what we're saying is you need to take a non-conscious, non-problem-solving, <laughs> right. non-thinking yeah. rate. Right? You yeah. can do this. You have been a master meditator for many, many years. We're not saying you have to be a master meditator, but you at least have to know when to take a break. Yeah, and I think you brought up a really good point, Kat. Taking a break does not mean go look at your phone and get a text or go see the latest news. All that does is, is probably enhance your full of emotions. And can you not look at your phone for three minutes? You know, one of the interesting things, the practice, where, you know, if you go to restaurants, you know, many of us are not going to restaurants. Let's say you're at an outdoor restaurant. You're with your significant other spouse or partner. They get up to go to the bathroom. And I'm guilty of this. I'm sure, Kat, you are too. Can you sit there and not look at your phone? I mean, just that exercise and being conscious and saying, you know, let me kind of enjoy. Let me look around. Let me enjoy the people. Let me kind of enjoy my food versus, oh, I got, I got three minutes. I better look at my phone. Yeah. So that is a great discipline, and it goes back to our focus. No, definitely. How about, how about the exercise that you and I both love of um, reframing something? Yeah. Um, Let's talk, talk about that a little bit. So this one is, is your next one around managing thoughts. And this goes back uh, to you can change your thoughts and the labels. So it's the labels that we're putting on it. It goes back to hepatitis. And this is in uh, 55 A.D. People are not disturbed by things, but the view they take of things. So this view that they take of things, and many of us, you know, have this. We think one of the things that, uh, Kat, you and I like to say, uh, we all think our thoughts are facts. Because we said it or we thought it, therefore it must be true. Our thoughts are not facts. They're a prediction, and we often have prediction errors. So how do you get into stepping back, and this is the metacognition. So we talked about the meta-attention. Well, we also want to have the metacognition. Can you step back and look at your thoughts? Last time we talked about the emotional audit. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What do I want? How am I getting in my way? What do I need to do differently? That's a step back and looking at your thoughts. And our friend uh, and colleague, Dr. Ed Nottingham, who's a psychologist and executive coach and a corporate trainer, he's collected some of the writings of others. He has a book uh, about you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, and he has it uh, around the shark, and, and are the sharks eating at you? Well, what he collected, and this should be, uh, make it more pertinent, Hamlet says, nothing is either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. So we put a quality on that. Eleanor Rosa says, nobody can make you feel anything without your consent. That's beautiful when you're feeling things. You're giving permission. There's an Aikido principle you can't control the unexpected, but you can control your response to it. So that's being in that and, stimulus response. Yeah, just stay right there for a second, because the Aikido principle is from my dear friend and colleague, John O'Neill. I don't know if you remember John, but John yeah, and I yeah. traveled a great deal together. 
collecting research for our global uh, leader of the uh, future uh, work. And this, you can't control the unexpected, but you can control your response to it, is what we're talking about today in terms of that management, right, that feeling management. And I just want to just, just go back slightly here, and I know we're um, talking about our friend Ed Nottingham. What, what Ed also gets in the use of these phrases is that feelings are not biodegradable. And if you can give them, a, if you will, a substantive uh, focus, if you can emphasize what they're doing when you're interpreting them, then your ability to physically deal with them and transmit them in some way can prevent you from transferring them inappropriately when you are not in your best state and you are stressed and you are overwhelmed and you have just about had it. And so being really, really aware of this kind of approach that Relly's calling this, you know, this metacognition, this ability to address these feelings helps us to create the language for interpretation so that we can influence our ability to transmit these feelings. Remember, name, right? Notice and name, accept, manage, express. All feelings want to get out, but if you don't manage them and interpret them correctly, you're going to express them the wrong way at the wrong time at the wrong person. That's how we started out today. And I just want to remind everybody, feelings of any kind that are not transmitted will be transferred, right? So action strategies, things that we can do. I don't know how much time we have left. Really, but I'd love yeah. to give people me, some I'll, things to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to finish the last couple of things that we got from uh, Dr. Ed Nottingham because everybody says it. And, it. and William James, kind of the father of psychology, early 1900s, your focus becomes your experience. Then we go all the way back to Buddha, what we think we become. So hopefully we're encouraging you to step back. And one of the, one of the terms that I like uh, Kat using these days with the people that I'm uh, training to be coaches, and this is the same thing for a leader, can you get the person's thoughts on the table, thoughts on the table between you and them? So as you deconstruct what someone's saying, another kind of word, you know, what are you thinking about this? Let me kind of get it out there. When the thoughts are on the table versus in your head, you can look at them, you can select them, you can evaluate them, you can see what's good, you can see what's bad. Thoughts on the table as a leader, if you're listening to this, that's what you want. You don't necessarily want to get your thoughts of what's telling them what to do. Can you get their thoughts on the table and help them truly kind of think? Beautiful. So, so let me just mention one of the thought actions. We talked about some of the actions versus thoughts. You know, what do you do? So we talked about, you know, getting up from your, getting up from your seat. We kind of went through those. Well, one of the things that we really know, and everybody knows this, but are we doing this? Are we breathing intentionally? And, you know, what our friends in the military have called the box breathing. Can you breathe in for the count of four? Hold it for the count of four. 
slowly breathe out for the count of four. So you breathe in through your nose, count of four, hold it, breathe out through your mouth, count of four. If you do three or four of those, you can't help but be more relaxed. And it connects the sympathetic, the kind of the anxiety, with the rest of the parasympathetic. We all can do that. And if you pair that with the emotional audit, which we talked about uh, last time and, and today, it takes 20 seconds, and it's going to allow you to have your best decision. You know, it puts you yep. in a gap, and you access what we're talking about, some of your strengths and some of your abilities. And, you know, one of the things that you've said beautifully, uh, Relly, is, is just taking a breath. Our friend, our good friend, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, philology.com, uh, he says, just have a sip of water. Yeah. You know, when you're with somebody and you can also see that they can't get their feelings on the table, they don't know how to express them. And you see this especially in small children. You see this in people who have uh, an emotional hijack going on. They just, they can't express themselves. Uh, give them a bottle of water. Give them a glass of water. Uh, taking a sip of something is almost like that box breathing that you described. And I know we're getting to the end of the show here, but I just want to promise our viewers, our listeners, our readers, our, you know, all the people in our lives that we love who we have some connection with through this beautiful medium called a podcast and an audible book, uh, a readable book. We're going to post some of these at our, at our, you know, LDN website, um, our podcast site. And uh, they're also always at emotionalbrainsacademy.com. Uh, so go there, get these things. There's much more. And I just want to thank everybody for allowing us to connect with you and allowing us to share some of our tools and tips. And we'll continue to do this. And I, I love when we have the time, as you said earlier, Relly, to just be and speak from our hearts. Thank you. Thank you, Kat. I'm going to leave our audience with this last thing. If yeah, Going back to focus. And whatever the situation is, what do I need to do now to be my best? If that's what's in your mind, you're going to get that action. So you've been listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles of Practice of Top Performers. Thanks for tuning in and tuning up your performance. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.